Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Which one's first? I feel I feel like a really good pitch for this episode would have been just to do them together and to just call it "Great Directors at Their Worst." <laughs> oh wow! So you just want to you want to spoil that uh, out of the gate? Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, because I think I disagree with you, at least on one of these. Um, wow. Yeah. I think I know uh, which one it is. Well, 12 hours from now, convicted killer Frank Beecham will be executed by lethal injection. Put Everett on it. To set everything with Everett is a big investigative witch hunt. Hey, he was a drunk then. He isn't now. Everett, come here. One television network is about to begin an experiment. We're going to pick one person. We're going to put that person's life on television. What do we do now? The chicken dance, baby. <laughs> Mad. All right, here we go, Carlos. Just stay with them. What happens when you go to the bathroom? Do they go in with you? Mr. Beecham, frankly, I don't give a rat's ass about Jesus Christ, and I don't care about justice in this world or the next. So I'm going to ask you, did you kill that woman or not? Was there something here before? Yes, sir. That's where the potato chips used to be. How could you have seen over the potato chips? What potato chips? You're the guy who led that crusade to get the rapist released last year, are you? Alan, they're gonna kill the guy tonight. Why are we watching this? No reason, I just want to see what happens. He's checking out his own butt. <clears throat> oh, wow. Well, that's embarrassing. After a police investigation, a trial, what, six years of appeals, and you found discrepancies? Now, come on, there was somebody who wasn't there. Give me something. Man, what do you want from me? What do you people want from me? Universal Pictures and Imagine Entertainment bring you the story of a nobody. The guy's a boob that everybody's watching. I love this. America's latest craze is a guy named Ed. I love this guy. I just want to say I really love your show. I think you're great. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Way to go, Ed. Jenna Elfman. Oh, I can't. It's a filthy show. Woody Harrelson, Ellen DeGeneres. He's a beetle. He's not a beetle, but he's a, he's a, a spice girl. Martin Landau, Elizabeth Hurley. I don't know whose head you're trying to save here. Beecham's are your own. From Academy Award winning director Clint Eastwood. Ed TV. True crime.
All right, so let's uh, we'll start with true crime then. I guess chronologically, it came out a week ahead of uh, at TV, and uh, I, this was a first time watch for me. I believe had you seen this before or seen it uh, around its closer to its release in '99? I I I remember watching it on um, you know on HBO or something not long after it came out, and and I didn't remember. I didn't have good memories of watching it. Uh, but I was intrigued because looking back, this might have been one of the first Clint Eastwood movies I, I had ever seen, um, quite frankly, because I hadn't seen Unforgiven at that point. And I hadn't I didn't really like connect to him as a filmmaker until until like 2003. And, you know, mind you, I'm still in high school at this point. Um, you know, I'm graduating high school uh, shortly after Mystic River comes out. And, you know, so it just wasn't in my purview to watch, you know, at least the, the Clint Eastwood directed movies. Um, so what about you? Did you see it? I I did not. And uh, where I differ from you is that I had seen Unforgiven, uh, probably in its video release um, around that time period, 93, I guess. Uh, I don't remember if that was after it uh, had Oscar glory, uh, but my dad was a big fan of that one. And I had seen uh, Bridges of Madison County, which my mom was a big fan of. Um, my memory of true crime and why I skipped it was I felt like uh, this seems decidedly sort of low rent. Like, you know, you have Unforgiven, uh, you have Bridges of Madison County, which at the time was a huge sort of pop culture sensation. It was a, a big a screen adaptation and this one I'm not familiar with the source material at all. Uh, it's, it's got a fairly terrible title now, uh, makes it very hard to for uh -huh. search engine <laughs> optimization. Uh, I even had to put true crime film to, to make sure I had all my bases covered for this, this episode. Um, and I, yeah, I, I'd not, I'd certainly not heard of it then. I, I don't think this was like, you know, the, the second coming of John Grisham. Um, and I do remember this terrible, terrible marketing, for this film like I, I distinctly remember the trailer where the uh the isaiah washington character frank beecham who's on death row uh is like screaming at uh old clint like you know do you believe me and he screams back yes i believe you and it's like in this ticking clock scenario to, to save the guy on death row and i have to say at least one um one bit of i guess sort of smart ass um sort of this film iconic moment from the, the player, uh, which has, I believe mm -hmm. Julia Roberts and Bruce Willis, like the, the film within a film where it's, uh, you know, the same thing saving, uh, in that case, her from death row. Yeah. Uh, I and, always had that. She said, she says, what took what took you so long? And he says, traffic was a bitch. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's exactly like the ending of, of, you know, this, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so that's, that's what I had. And I've just sort of smirk and, uh, like, well, I'm not going to watch that. And you know, it, it probably won't be that bad or that enjoyable. At times it is that bad, and at times for me it actually was pretty enjoyable. Uh, but it's really got nothing to do with the central plot, which is is this this murder case. Um, there's there's a lot of weird stuff in this film. Uh, there's a lot of, of fat, which I think makes the whole uh, you know makes it a fairly weak Clint Eastwood movie. But it's also really the only interesting stuff in the film. I, I don't think the central plot is is going to hold your attention at all. But 
this weird death of this journalist that opens up the film, this car crash that sort of gives Clint the case at this, this Oakland newspaper, uh, this, this trip to the zoo that he takes his daughter on, which is just so strange. <laughs> I, I have to admit, Ben, I was riveted during that sequence. <laughs> I mean, we can play this game called Speed Zoo. Speed Zoo? Yeah. Okay. Wow. We go fast. We go fast. Birdie. Birdie. Speed Zoo. Camel lips. Camel. Uh, yeah. Oh my God! What happened to you? She's a real trooper. I've got to tell you. Oh my God! What the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> I just I could not believe what I was watching, but it held my attention. <laughs> The world's, you know, the father of the year moment when he races through the zoo so you, he can you, get you, back to you, you just like crime. You just like seeing children uh, getting, <laughs> like, like abused horribly yes. by Clint Eastwood. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I that's found his, That's it, like I his actual really. daughter or something, isn't it? Uh, like, I think I did I'm, read that yeah. this is sort of like a family affair for, for him. <laughs> Uh, in that way. So, you know, as I was watching though, I, I, I had the suspicion. I'm like, I bet Ben loves this movie. I was like, this feels like a Ben's look joint. So Why? I'm a little bit surprised. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, that is his daughter, uh, in, in there, in the, on the, on the, um, stroller. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know well, if that makes it, it better or worse for you. It does. It does. Uh, well, I mean, she's a true professional, you know, he, you know, they, she had the, the proper instincts to, uh, to, you know, for a zoo trip with old old dad uh that's how it goes uh why did i think you'd be into it uh the the sort of the, the weird pacing um I, I i tend to think that you like when <laughs> other characters uh sort of uh take each other to task uh you you get that at the uh, james woods is just playing like the most james woods like possible character just a complete blowhard um I, I thought the the sort of extraneous sort of details uh, you would be into. Um, so, and I, and I think you're you're a fan of Eastwood's work, right? Yeah, and you know, I was gonna like, I was gonna, you know, that's where I was gonna lead next because I don't like, I really don't want people to think that that I hate Clint Eastwood, cause, you know, because unfortunately, because of the you know conceit of this podcast, you know, this is the only thing we're gonna be talking about in terms of him. And I'm glad you included it because, you know, obviously if we're going to be doing 1999 and Clint Eastwood made a movie in that year, obviously we should be covering it. Uh, but, but I think, I think personally this and maybe blood work uh, after this are probably his worst films. And it's probably the, the biggest low in his career. And, and I was kind of surprised to look at it now and see that it had kind of, mixed reviews as opposed to extremely negative reviews because i would think this is like a true low uh, you know as a director um and, and you know in preparation for this i i watched about 10 clint eastwood movies that i haven't hadn't seen and and so i've now seen every single one that he's directed and there were just a ton of hidden gems in there that people haven't talked about uh, movies like uh, Breezy from 1973, which I always assumed was horrible, turned out to be really terrific. Uh, a movie called Honky Tonk Man uh, from 1982, which was also really terrific. 
uh, and a movie called The Gauntlet from 1977, which is more well-known, um, but maybe not, you know, as much as uh, some of his other works. Uh, Pell Ryder, uh, I had never seen, and, you know, that was excellent. And so then to 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 kind of conclude it with this was really funny <laughs> and really unfortunate for him. Like, <laughs> Well, I mean, he he did get back on the horse, as you said, not uh, not mm-hmm. going to happen on this this uh, podcast. Um, but yeah, Mystic River was uh, he he went back to uh, critical acclaim and working with uh, decidedly more A material. Uh, I've not seen Blood Work. I, I think it, it's probably good to sight unseen to kind of pair that off with this this sort of lesser material or uh, step back. And I don't know. Do you think it's is it a do you think it was a reaction? Uh, to what he had been working on, which was, you know, in the in the nineties with the the best picture win and with Bridges of Madison County that he was working on sort of prestige material. Do you think he just wanted to to make something that was, I don't know, just more fun? Like just say a sort of a, a B thriller? I think he just likes to work. And I think I, I guess unfortunately this was the only thing that that came across his desk. And and it's weird. <laughs> and I still I still kind of blame him though, because it's not his best. The, this whole sequence you're talking about where he takes a daughter to, to the zoo and they it's call great. it Speed Zoo. And <laughs> he doesn't really even look like he believes what he's saying. <laughs> and, I, and I completely understand taking like the, the shitty material because it's the only thing there. But, you know, you, you should still you should still try and believe that when he's going, Speed Zoo, we go fast. We go, and the way they, they – the way they um, – you know, uh, call that back in the end is so stupid. And, and that's, and, and so that was like the second, uh, that was like the second big groan that I had was when he is in the car and, and he tells, you know, the person he has to take, uh, I don't even care that we're spoiling this cause you really shouldn't see it. Even if you love Eastwood, um, you know, and if you do see it and you're surprised by the plot twists, I feel sorry for you. I really do. <laughs> I think you should the uh, YouTube speed zoo and just have a good time with that because I did. <laughs> that, that's is there I, really is there really like videos on speed zoo? I'm I'm looking that up right now. <laughs> I don't know, uh, but no, I I think we can spoil this. I I don't think anyone probably really has any interest in this particular episode. Um, yeah, it's 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 like you know the 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 way the crime is solved. Uh, yeah, feels like a pretty. <laughs> bad episode of like a television procedural that's not fair that's not fair to television procedurals this would not this would not cut it on the worst episode of law and order they would not allow this to air uh this whole thing with the ben Ben, the 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 (laughs) snickers bar rack it was moved (laughs) (laughs) well i'm talking i'm talking about the other prop that gets called back uh, which really made me groan this time, like like really loudly. I think my neighbors heard me um, when this locket gets brought back up, and it's always it's always a locket, like like it's so stupid, and, and it's so ridiculous. And the idea that and and so you, I'm glad you brought up uh, the ticking clock earlier because mm-hmm. I think this is a movie where you could almost make it, um, you know, decent if you just fixed. What, what's known as, you know, the ticking clock device. And so I don't know, you know, how well versed you are on the, you know, Ar- Ar- Arist- Ar- Aristotle, um, you know, unities of storytelling. Uh, but there are three of them. 
And, you know, the, the, you know, they are unity of place, unity of action and unity of time. And so unity of time is the one that is carried over, you know, all, you know, all these centuries later, um, where it's, a, you know, where it's a really important thing here. And it's fundamentally what we call the ticking clock. And here, this idea that he is going to vindicate this guy on death row in less than 24 hours, um, before it happens, it's absolutely ridiculous. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. And there, there are a few episodes of The Good Wife, uh, the CBS series that concluded its run a few, um, about, about a year ago or so, um, that deal with the real logistics of what, like, a Hail Mary pass on a death row conviction are like. And they're so much more intelligent than this ridiculous stuff, which, like you mentioned, it's so, it's so much like that, that thing that Richard Grant and Dean Stockwell are pitching <laughs> in the player. Uh, and, and, and the fact that that movie came out in 1992 and this movie came out in 1999 and then are thinking like, you know, maybe Robert Altman was trying to tell us something here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think that uh, he he could have used a little speed zoo in that film as well with uh, Tim Robbins. I think would have been great. Um, you know, the biggest thought because I, I don't I don't want to just completely shit on this film um, because I, I had some I had some laughs with it. But um, one thing I kept coming back to, uh, and it, it's not really like a performance issue, but I think you for for me. I think you got to lose the Isaiah Washington character of Beecham uh, cutting to because there's mm-hmm. I think just one moment he has with with Eastwood. Uh, but cutting to his sort of day to day existence, um, there's this weird interaction with a priest that is only used later to give Eastwood like just a moment's pause, his sort of faith and that this guy's innocent, uh, that it's the, the priest goes rogue and leaks out that Beecham finally confessed these killings, which he did not. Um, I, I think you lose all that. Uh, th- there's one moment I liked with uh, with Beecham's daughter with the, the green crayon that her his his daughter freaks out about, and I like that they mm-hmm. actually find it for her. I, I don't know. I just felt like it was like a s- little small moment of humanity there. But that's it. That's the only thing I liked was with the Beecham family saga. And I would rather have seen this from a journalist perspective. Uh, if you want to keep the ticking clock aspect, where he the he and us as the audience don't ever really believe that he can save this man but just on that last day where that's the day he gets the assignment through the death of another journalist he starts looking around and he just like when he looks at it he just starts to believe i don't think this guy did it and so what he's working on is a story that will only probably ever see the light of day after this man dies i think that's a that's a better movie it's a darker movie but I certainly think Eastwood was capable of it, and I would I would rather have watched that film. And you still get to keep Speed Zoo and all that stuff. But I think you just you focus more <laughs> on just Steve Everett. I think you you lose Beecham here. And I'm not trying to uh, you know I'm not trying to play Hollywood here and you know whitewash films even more by let's say hey let's remove the black family out of this, and since they are the uh, the characters who are the victims of this particular story, but. Uh, it would speak to the ridiculous, the ridiculousness that you're talking about. Uh, that you know the the Steve Everett character played by Eastwood should know better. He should know that he's got no shot at saving this. And the film's not really, it's not even a, effective enough as a thriller to make you forget 
how stupid this quest is um, because there's too much hang time. And it's a lot of it's hang time that I appreciate, but like I said, it's got nothing to do with the central premise or plot here. I just, uh, yeah, I could, I could lose all of the Washington stuff that, that could, that could be gone for me more focus on the, the, uh, <laughs> Snickers bar rack, uh, detective, the Sherlock Holmes stuff <laughs> that I could get into. It's also easy. It's also easy. It's always like, you know, his, his assistant tells him the story of what happened to, to get this guy convicted. And, and immediately he's like, well, what about this? Hasn't anyone thought, <laughs> like, he's just a big fucking genius. <laughs> like, there's been all this stuff going, all this it's money It's a movie spent. star part, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it is It is meant to be played by a movie star. This is like a Robert Redford role. And, and again, like, and again, the Snickers, yeah, the Snickers bar, like, like the, 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 the chips or whatever. Like, what a stupid thing. What a stupid device. Um, you know, no one thought about this. And, and it's like, Denniston, I thought you worked in the law, correct? Like, I mean, I thought... <laughs> yeah. This is what we do, Ben, on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> I am Clint Eastwood. My daily life. <laughs> Take off for Speed Zoo for extended lunch breaks. Um, I also, you know, uh, this is uh, something we've not stumbled across, but, you know, just thinking about this movie star role where he can sort of do no wrong, you, you have this strange uh, subplot where his superior at the newspaper, mm-hmm, played by mm-hmm. Dennis Leary, is this? Uh, I mean, he's he's petulant, but he's not really as angry he, as he should be for being this uh, cuckolded man that has to work with this guy. Like he just seems like slightly put out in the sense that like someone beat him in fantasy football that week. Like he doesn't. And I I always felt like okay, is there something like what else is there here? Like is there something else going on with this relationship? But there's anytime you introduce questions like that to the audience about these supporting characters that you don't the filmmakers themselves don't really have that much interest in answering. I think you just, you just cut that out. Uh, but it, it goes back to what you're saying where not only is Eastwood like the smartest guy in the room, but it's just uh, like, it's just conceded by all the other male characters that he's also the greatest lover walking uh-huh, uh-huh. around. And it's like, well, it makes <laughs> sense that my wife's sleeping with you. Cause you're, you're Steve Everett. You know, of course, why, why wouldn't they? Yeah, I, I didn't get that at all. I mean, he's not, he doesn't exactly look great, uh, in this, you know, <laughs> half nude scene we get early in the movie. Uh, but I will say, okay, okay, what I will say, and I think you kind of alluded to it, um, I think there are a lot of really good supporting performances in this movie. Um, I think Isaiah Washington is really good. I think Michael McKean, as the priest is also really good. And you're, you're probably right. Story wise, you know, that whole thing has no reason to be there, but at least, at least, you know, McKean was giving a good performance and it was something I could watch. Um, same thing with Michael Jeter. And, um, you know, even the person, uh, who plays the, uh, mother of the other suspect later in the movie, like she's pretty good too. What, what I dislike about it, it, you know, it is the things you're highlighting that, you know, <laughs> l- this whole stupid setup. Why does it have to be another journalist that died in order for him to get the story? Why, why can't it be some other reason? It seems to only happen because she that turned way. him down sexually at the bar. That's why she <laughs> well, died. <laughs> my thinking, my thinking is that they felt like they needed some big explosions in the early part of the movie mm. so they could put them in the trailer so they could make it look more action-packed uh even that they failed at 
I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just weird, and I don't know how many ways they cut that. I have to go back and look at the trailer again because I I remember hating it as a teenager, so it didn't sell me on on that aspect of it. But um, I I don't know. There's there's a lot here um, that I I did read where the the character uh, his race was changed Isaiah Washington uh, from a, a white man to a black man to just make it more topical or to, to add a race element to it. Uh, I found that to be, I, I don't know. It, it feels a little bit like a cheat. Um, because I, I think, I don't think they're really approaching the material with that level of seriousness. I don't think they have any real interest in, you know, looking at uh, race relations here in, in Oakland. Uh, I'll agree with you on the Jeter character. Who's, uh, I guess basically the, the, the witness that put this man, uh, on death row. Um, he, he has a scene where it's like, you, you think it's about to take a turn where he, he mm-hmm. suddenly, mm-hmm. he goes, he goes into full on, like, uh, like it's like, uh, the interview in Zodiac where it's like, yeah. he, he reveals himself to be something like more. Uh, and then it's like, they, they just like finish their, their meal and just go about their lives. There's just a lot of stuff that's little details that are here. Uh, that don't add up to to any really thing, uh, and it's it's long. It's a long movie. It is, and even, even so, so not to go back, not to harp on this idea of Eastwood as the Lothario or whatever. Um, his wife, you know, it like he abuses his daughter. He brings her <laughs> home with like scars on her face. That's all okay. <laughs> But later, she finds out that he's having an affair. And that's just one step too far. <laughs> like, the worst thing he can do to her is sleep with another woman. And, and, and of course it's ridiculous. Of course it's ridiculous. And why did they think anyone would, would accept this? <laughs> well, uh, I guess to answer your question, not many people did. This was, I, I think it's the worst uh, box office disaster uh, in Eastwood's career. $55 million budget, uh, $16 million and change return. Uh, yeah, this is, I think this is going to be one of the bigger money losers uh, for this podcast for sure. It's going to be up there. Um, I don't know. Have we said, have we said enough about true okay, crime? Well, you- let's, let's do Clint Eastwood is due. I want to say that my personal favorite of his actually comes after this and that's Mystic River in 2003. Uh, and, you know, I, th- I mean, I've revisited it multiple times. And that was really him, you know, to me, working at his best. And, you know, I don't So what what is your personal favorite of Clint Eastwood? Personal favorite as a uh, director? Um, yeah, I'm not going to go Mystic River, although I'm a big fan of, of that film. Um I would go with a, a perfect world is okay. my personal favorite. Okay. Um, but yeah, I like, uh, I, I, there's a lot of his stuff. I mean, unforgiven. I like bridges of Madison County. I, for this type of material, uh, I like absolute power quite a bit for this type of, uh, B thriller. Uh, so he can do this type of work, but yeah, th- I mean, there's a lot of films of his. That I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of, but yeah, perfect world would be my, my personal favorite. Awesome. I think now we can move on to uh, the next the next disaster from a director I really love. <laughs> uh, probably not his biggest, I guess, uh, disaster uh, from a box office perspective. Uh, we we did another podcast uh, yeah. on uh, War Machine versus War Horse on what are, the whale movie. 
uh, with uh, that's Hemsworth. Not, that's not fair. It's called In the Heart of the Sea. I it, honestly did not. It at it. least had a very good title. Uh, there was a very good uh, podcast episode on Deep Blue Sea and Jaws. That's what I'll say came out of that one. But yeah, Ed TV. Uh, I had fonder memories of this one because I had probably not seen it, uh, but probably listened to it like probably a hundred times. Um, yeah, I, was, I get what you're saying with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was a video store staple around that time period when I worked in a video store and, you know, we had to play uh, films that were PG 13 or below in rating. Um, even though this has, I guess some sexual content, um, yeah, this is one that you can just kind of have on. And it was just, I guess it was meant to be a crowd pleaser, but didn't go over that well. Followed uh, Truman Show, which was had far more success financially and critically in summer of 98. So uh, did you see this one uh, around the release since you're a big Ron Howard guy or did you come to it uh, much later? I honestly can't remember, but the weird thing was, re, you know, revisiting it now you know, when we got to the ending, I was like, oh, I remember this part. So I feel like I must have seen it at some point. I just didn't really I, I don't think I actually consciously sat down to watch it at any point. I probably saw scenes of it, you know, or whatever. I, I'm going to say uh, the the ending of this film is atrocious. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> the introduction of Rob Reiner is uh, this, you know, mustache twirling. Uh, reality TV show executive um, uh, who somehow like, you know, you, you made fun of the, <laughs> the legal ease, I guess, of true crime <laughs> is able to have Matthew McConaughey do a lifetime reality show contract and his family. Uh, that doesn't hold much water. And it has this awkward uh, sort of anti-hero uh, part for Ellen DeGeneres, who you know, I guess, learns her lesson, and uh, you know, her heart grows five times too big, and she gives up on reality TV and saves him. Um, hate all that. I do like. There's there's stuff I like about this film, which is mainly the dynamic between um, the you know naturally good-looking, uh, charming Ed, played by Matthew McConaughey. Uh, and his brother, who acts as if he's the naturally charming and good-looking one, and is the one who craves, you know, fame and glory, and also expects uh, that to be at his doorstep, and is shocked when it goes to Matthew McConaughey and not Woody Harrelson, who plays Ray. I really like Ray. Ray is Ray is by far my my favorite here. I guess followed by uh, Martin Landau is like. The, the kindly uh, stepfather. So there, there are certain characters I like in this film, but uh, as a whole, it, it feels uh, it feels late to the game. Uh, even mm -hmm. though there's been a lot of reality television that's followed, uh, and it's kind of shifted and changed. Uh, this one covering, I guess, the sort of the what it knew at the time of like the real world sort of element of it. Uh, it doesn't feel like it has anything really to say uh, about it at all. And I just, you know, I think I do think Truman Show probably hurt this film because uh, that one said far more, even though it's in a, you know, a, a distant future uh, with far more like sci fi like capabilities where they're able to make their own sort of look universe, their own little world. Uh, that one felt far more topical than than TV, which is meant to take place in our world. So, yeah, I'm not not a fan of this one, even though I love uh, Woody Harrelson and Martin Landau. Well, I, I am kind of surprised because you said you disagreed with me on one and you were pretty negative on true crime. 
Um, <laughs> but <laughs> there was the, the zoo thing. I just Ben, it is just so great. I just that movie gets a not, pass. It is not great. <laughs> I don't know why you think that's great. It ends with that <laughs> child being harmed and him just basically get. It, Clint Eastwood gets what he wants. He gets off the hook. He gets to the, he ends the play date by it's a, harming it's his another, own child. It's another symptom of this ridiculous ticking clock in that movie that, you know, he has to take his daughter to, to the zoo for, for 20 minutes or whatever. Um, you know, I, I don't want to go back to, 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 to true crime, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous and stupid and, and un- unnecessary. Um, but to get to Ed TV, you know, I don't think it's terrible. I just think it's very average. And yeah, you brought up the Truman Show, which I've seen probably 20 times. And each time, you know, I discover something different about it that I hadn't thought about. And, and, you know, this one, I, you know, I've probably seen it twice. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know. My pitch for it would have been, that they actually um, present the TV show um, as is, and I hate to say I hate, I hate to say that because I hate you know found footage movies now, but I think that would have been the way to go in 1999. I think that would have given this something unique and fresh to 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 present to people. Um, you know, obviously they would have to change the story around and everything, but I think that probably would have benefited it. Uh, I, I I don't know. I think what we get, I you know, I felt very detached from. I, I felt like I didn't really understand why Matthew McConaughey here is the obvious choice for this, you know, for this guy that they're searching for. Um, he didn't seem that interesting to me. And um, I want well, I wanted to just interrupt for a second. Yeah, in that the I guess the audition process sequence uh, where he he's made through the first round and they bring him in for an interview with uh, Ellen DeGeneres and her 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 cronies. Well, I'm from East Texas. Yep. And uh, when I was like 13, my mom got remarried to my stepfather, who was a, a traveling salesman. And he got transferred up here to San Francisco, so, you know, we all came along. <laughs> and here we are. Here I am. And did you go to college, or? I had a year of junior college. Home of the Bearcats. Oh, <laughs> scary. <laughs> What'd you study? Studying? Um, geez, that'd have been a big help. That really would have. Where were you then? <laughs> That's cute. The, um, straight ahead. What? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And you see, I can get rid of the Texas accent whenever I want. Or I can just slide <laughs> real deep on into it like this. How do you decide? Well, to tell you the truth, I find that uh, this accent here don't do me no harm with the ladies. <laughs> know what I mean, darling? <laughs> he seems like a tryhard. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem like a natural. He's like I think we're meant to read him as just like this natural guy that just says these funny things, and he's not even playing up to the camera really. But he is totally playing up the camera, and he just seems fake. He just seems he seems like a guy that is desperate to be on TV, and I don't think that's how Howard and the writers are intending him to come mm-hmm. across. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's it, there's something unappealing and sort of like 
uh, you know, possibly like star fuckery about him that is not that different from reality show stars that are made fun of now, like the Kardashians. And I think he's meant to be some sort of strange everyman, but I never get that from the way McConaughey plays him or the way the film sort of cuts around him. He never even seems to really resist in that scene with Jenna Elfman where she's pulling away from uh, Woody Harrelson's character and drifting towards him. He just kind of goes with the flow and ends up kissing her. Um, you know, and that, that, that kind of, you know, supports what you're saying. It's like they want him to come off as this guy who just does what he feels. But at the end of the day, he's basically, you know, doing things knowing that there's going to be negative consequences, um, you know, for, for his actions and not really caring. And it just may, I don't know. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like people would really be, it doesn't feel organic that people would really be glued to their TV screens, um, over this. When, and normally I think it's unfair to compare, um, a movie like this to, to something that had a similar idea, but came earlier. But in the case of this, it's like, it's just such an obvious, thing um you know the thing i remember about the truman show so well is the reactions that the audience has um you know to truman himself and and, um the ending of that movie uh which isn't really a spoiler uh the ending of that movie you know it all ends and and they're just the two security guards are like oh hey what what else is on um Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that feels very natural that feels very human um, nothing, nothing in this movie ever reaches that level. There's, they, they really play up the soap opera aspect of it, but it just, to me, it just reminded me of like shit that had already been on television at that point. And yeah, there were, there were certainly cultural sort of touchstones with like the real world in the nineties. Um, you know, having uh, an HIV positive man, uh, on television and then having a guy that, uh, you know, blew and ate you know, boogers like on TV, but those also were not people that you would watch for 24 hours straight. Um, and uh, we've had stuff like that with webcams and you have the big brother show where you can have like live feeds and people, but you know, people are not riveted and, you know, not going to work to see if Mm -hmm. Jenna Elfman and Matthew McConaughey get together. I, I think that would be like a curiosity, but people would get bored with it because these, Unfortunately for the film, you know, these characters are not that interesting, not only for 24 hours, but not even for a two hour film. Do you really care that much uh, what happens with their relationship? And uh, it has a weird introduction with Elizabeth Hurley as this this model. And it's going to it's this like sweeps week like event where it's like we're going to watch Ed have sex. And I, I don't know, like most of it, a lot of it was in poor form, but it's not. It's not. It's just not R-rated material. Like they're they're like it's very family friendly. There's a reason I could play it at the video store, which is they they don't really want to get too biting with it. And there's really only one, you know, uh, semi-effective moment, which is just is is mainly just <laughs> when Woody Harrelson goes on television and just the I think he's with Bill Maher on Politically Incorrect at the time where it's, he just keeps insisting his brother pissed on him and he doesn't really have any means or doesn't have the skill set to elaborate on what he means by that. And I'm like, that's the movie right there. It's just that one gag and they don't really have anything else to sort of illuminate the audience as far as why we should care. Like that's that that's the, the film in a nutshell. Um, 
I, so I'm, I'm coming across very harsh on it. You know, I didn't mm. really give it that much thought. Nine, nine, as far as like this thing is a travesty. I didn't have any expectations yeah. for it either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just strength. I mean, it's, I feel like it's very much of its time in the sense that I, it had to be that particular moment where I would think someone like Ron Howard of his caliber would actually spend that much time on this material. Uh, and you know, I, I just wish for him and for us that that had been sort of a passing thought and maybe there'd been something that grabbed his interest more than reality television back when he was filming this, presumably in 1998. I, I think if this had come out before the Truman show, it would have negatively affected people's reaction to the Truman show, not mm-hmm. positively affected their reaction to this movie. Um, yeah. if that makes sense. <laughs> That's why I think this is kind of a perfect uh, companion piece to true crime because I'm looking at Ron Howard's filmography and to me it is just full of incredibly innovative, wonderful movies. Um, a movie like Parenthood that people tend to write off but, but, is, but is actually pretty amazing in, in terms of what, you know, what it does. Um, you know, Do people movie, really write off Parenthood? I mean, I, I assume some people do. I don't know. Uh, do you think they don't? <laughs> I, well, I don't know. I mean, I I was uh, – well, both of us were probably not of age to like, you know, be be like, you know, film snobs or cinephiles when Parenthood came out. So I just know my family uh, always really liked it and I, it was readily available to me. And for, so for me, Parenthood's always been perceived as some sort of classic within my family, like a classic film or classic comedy. Um, so I don't know. I've always uh, held it in sort of uh, high esteem. Uh, so maybe I'm just assuming other people see it as also this great family comedy. I think, I think film snobs probably write it off because, because it is a family comedy, you know, um, another movie, uh, called the paper from 1994, mm-hmm. uh, which, which I think is really terrific, uh, has, has elements of, you know, Howard Hawks, uh, screwball comedy and all that in it. Um, you know, Ransom right before this is a terrific movie. And, and I just, you know, I can't help but be really disappointed by what Ed TV ended up being. I, I, you know, you bring up the paper. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out, was there another one in this trilogy where Ron Howard, uh, tackled a particular, you know, media <laughs> sensation that he then killed, that then, you know, has no place in the world anymore. I don't, I don't know. I'll have to look and see, but, uh, I, I guess um, Cinderella man, uh, <laughs> boxing, ra- radio, yeah. radio, <laughs> I, uh, poor Ron Howard. Uh, and now he's, you know, he's filling in as the backup for the, the Han Solo movie. So. I, I predict that, that, the, that, that Han Solo film will be more well liked, uh, than any of the stupid Star Wars movies, um, coming out. Uh, I say that only having seen Force Awakens, but, um, whatever. I still have hope for, for Ryan Johnson. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be positive, but, um, yeah, this one, uh, this was a rough one. And you know what? We should, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to leave a little bit of this in at the beginning that clearly we did not plan, uh, since I had not seen true crime for this to be an episode where we're going to turn this into the failures of great filmmakers. But, um, yeah, it, it kind of worked out that way. Um, I will say that, um, if I had seen true crime, uh, back in 1999, I, I think I would be far more on your side but I feel like as an older man, mm-hmm. uh, I take certain pleasures uh, in in very specific things like children being harmed on screen that 
I uh, I'm I, I dig it a little bit more, and I was uh, I was far more negative on Ed TV than I was as a teenager. I I think the biggest thing I thought then was um, this is not really that funny for a comedy. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's not I'm I don't know if I laughed uh, at all during this segment. And there's just there's a lot of uh, the the reaction shots uh, from the producer, predominantly from Ellen DeGeneres, where it's like we're all having, aren't we having so much fun watching this guy? And I think that makes it worse because mm-hmm. you're just like, no, no, I'm not really having, I'm not really that enthused to to watch this. So you you end up starting to like almost fight the film uh, because it's it's trying to shove like enthusiasm down your throat. And yeah, I'm gonna go with true crime. Uh, I know this isn't an episode of War Machine <laughs> versus War Horse, but true crime gets my vote. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with neither. Um, you know, the only the only part of Ed TV that works for me is the scene with Dennis Hopper when he comes in as um, McConaughey's uh, biological father. And, um, you know, I feel like there there was probably a really good movie that you could make at that point, but they chose not to. But at the very least, the scenes between... Hopper McConaughey show real promise and everything for me. And, um, you know, it was, it was very strange watching it, um, just as Martin Lando died. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, he does good work here too. Um, he did good work in a lot of movies. Um, but yeah, definitely. This is the, this is this and the missing from 2003 are the worst, Ron Howard movies that I've seen. I'm still sticking with the whale movie. Um, the whale movie uh, had a lot of promise uh, <laughs> and a lot of potential. Um, I think, I think, I think in the heart of the sea was probably cut up in editing at some point. And so I give it more credit than maybe it deserves in, in its current form. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. <laughs> to that. Um, I don't know. Uh, what's what's up next, Ben? What what's next on the agenda? Uh, meeting people is easy. Okay, so uh, there's you know there's a possibility for for that being uh, a Radiohead uh, rockumentary of sorts that uh, they've been accused of being greatly overrated as well. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I have to admit, I've, I did watch this one before uh, when I was big into Radiohead as a teenager. So uh, uh, that'll be interesting to talk about having some distance. I've not really followed them or continue to follow them musically. So uh, just as a little preview, uh, are you a Radiohead guy? Or are you going into this one uh, clean, just watching it as a documentary? I, I enjoy Radiohead, but I've never seen this movie. Definitely. Okay. So cool. All right. Um, yeah, we're really going to shift gears there from from Ed TV to meeting people's easy. <laughs> the the antithesis of my life, uh, basically, uh, the title of this movie. So uh, I, I think you'll dig it then. I think you'll dig the tone of the film. All right. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that wasn't too negative uh, for you. And uh, join us again for uh, for that episode. But I'm a- like to continue the conversation with us feel free to do so on twitter instagram or facebook at 99 from 99
Special. I wish I was special. 